0: the big show jake scott on vacation i'm scott gerard filling in alongside gordon monson i hope you're having a tremendous monday time to talk a little nba sarah todd of the Desera news kind enough to join us you can follow her on twitter at nba sarah sarah how are you
1: not too bad. I'm getting a lot of sleep these days. Now the season is winded down into the the quiet part of the off season.
0: So this is this is if you're going to reconnect with family and try to reestablish some relationships you probably had to you haven't been able to connect with for the last several months. This is about the time of year to do it, right?
1: Yeah, usually uh, August is the quiet month this year with the extended um, season and schedule the, you know, summer league leaked into August, but this is this is it. August is the month. This is when people get to see me and then and then they don't.
2: <laughs> so, you doing anything fun? Um,
1: it depends on what you consider fun. Like I said, <laughs> sleep is a hot commodity in my line of work, so
0: <laughs> No doubt about that. All right, so now that summer league's over, now that everything's kind of in the rearview mirror, Kind of give uh, the Sarah Todd grade on how the Jazz have handled themselves in the off season and how much improved they are going into this next season.
1: Yeah, I think that the you know the Jazz were never going to do anything big and splashy this off season. It's not like they were going after like huge free agent names. the The whole goal was to you know add around the edges of the roster and kind of sprinkle in things that would make them more versatile. Maybe give some more experience to the depth on the roster. And I think that they did that. On paper, the Jazz got better this off-season. You look at the addition of Rudy Gay. I mean, if you're going to replace George Niang's minutes with Rudy Gay, that's uh, an obvious upgrade, I think, for anybody looking at that. And then he also gives you the option of having a, a really adaptable small ball five. And that's something that the Jazz just didn't have to work with at their disposal, at least not at the experience level that they had that they have now with Rudy Gay. And then with Hassan Whiteside, I mean, it's such a low-risk, high-reward move at a minimum to have someone that can come in and back up Rudy Gobert. And Whiteside can also – I mean, he's a rim-running big, just like Rudy is, so it gives continuity to the roster. And if you look at you know, Eric Paschal, I don't think that we're going to see a lot of him in the rotation. It would surprise me if we did. But it's an incredibly savvy business move for the front office to bring in Donovan Mitchell's best friend because keeping your stars happy in this league is half the battle.
2: Sure, it doesn't happen very often where you have a rookie come in and make any kind of dent at all in a positive way. But uh, what are you hearing about Jared Butler? Is this a kid who's mature who could maybe have at least a shot at doing that or no way?
1: there's definitely a shot i mean there's always a shot with him i think there definitely is a shot because the maturity like you mentioned is is big with him i mean he he's the kind of guy that comes in and <clears throat> he's already asking a ton of questions he knew he wasn't going to play in summer league but he was out there you know with the guys and watching everything they did he was sitting with them on the bench i mean that's you don't have to do that you don't have to be there and then it's not like you were just doing it for appearances because it's not much of an appearance once you've already you know been signed and have some guaranteed money and you're not going to play and i from what i've heard around the league and from a lot of like scouts and people who have talked to him and who know his situation at Baylor they're, they're very surprised about how low that he fell in the draft down to 40 because he was considered to be a lottery talent. And so I, I would not be surprised if he worked hard and then got an opportunity to come in and get some minutes and surprise people. That being said, like you said, rookies rarely do that. And so if he doesn't get a ton of minutes, did a ton of run this season, that also wouldn't surprise me.
0: Sarah Todd joining us from the Deseret news right here on 975 1280 the zone and the zone sports Network um, with the uh, and again you don't expect these guys to do much outside of maybe kind of a break glass in case of emergency type of player but you know in the summer League I thought Trent Forrest played well I thought that there was some good moments from doke as well uh, let's talk about those two players and and what kind of uh, what kind of role you anticipate them having on this team
1: well, I mean, we've, I think that Drent Forrest, getting him on a two-way was probably pretty, that's a steal for the yeah. Jazz, because he could have signed a contract in this league with any team. I mean, he's a, he's a guard that is ready to play minutes. And so getting him on the two-way is just, again, another savvy front office move. But him, as well as Jared Butler, I think the thing that's that they'll have this season is maybe more of an opportunity that they would have had in other seasons, because this was a shortened off season. And as we saw last year, delivering a playoff, delivering a healthy roster to the playoff is, I mean, that takes diligence and work throughout the season and a whole lot of luck. And so if you've got two guys like Trent and Jared Butler who are able to come in and kind of relieve maybe Mike Conley, maybe Joe Ingles on some nights and have some of the, you know, more veteran players get some rest throughout the season and you can rely on them to play, make and handle the ball. I mean, that's just a bonus all the way around. And so, you know, we might see Mike rest a little bit more because he did take off back to backs and he did take off some time last season and it just still didn't work out. He still had probably trouble with that hamstring. And so, You know, there's nothing to say that those guys couldn't have a little bit more of an opportunity this season just because of the way the Jazz want to go into the postseason. But like you said with Trent, I mean, he still has to work on his shot. That's really the only flaw in his game. If he could shoot the ball reliably, I there's no way you'd be able to get him on a two-way. He's really, really smart. He sees the court well. He has really incredible passing IQ, and he knows how to get to his spots once he's in the lane. And so he's really good and for Doke he's you know he's he's strong he's big and he dunks hard <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that that's really the job for him and uh, one of the things that you'll need to see is like in his development trajectory is he wants to block every shot and so when he's and he's able to block jump shots which is really valuable for someone at his size and he's quicker than you think he is at that size. But he wants to block all of them, and so he has to sort of just get better at timing and decision-making because some of those, when he misses those jump shots that he wants to block, then he's out of position for the rebound, and so the other team can just get a put back. But once he gets down the timing and he's not chasing every single block on the floor, he's going to be a really traditional style big, and those haven't left the league yet.
2: You mentioned earlier that Eric Paschal, that addition uh, as one of Donovan's good friends, is a savvy move, and I agree with you 100%. Have you heard anything, Sarah, about where Donovan is now? Because what we were hearing was that after that playoff loss, he was just torn apart and really upset and and emotional about the whole thing. Has that uh, simmered down a little bit? Is he looking forward now?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's... You know, been congratulating and uh, talking to the players that have, you know, newly acquired by the team, and he he talked to Mike Conley. He's in a group chat with those guys. He's enjoying himself somewhere tropical right now, as NBA players are wont to do in late August. But what we know about Donovan, like we know that about him. We know that he has kind of a hot temper and that he gets riled up really quickly and it takes him a minute to cool down. We've seen that many times before. We saw it after the league shut down in March of 2020. We saw it again when the training staff didn't want him to play at the start of the playoffs. He gets really hot and then he cools down and he comes back to, back to earth a little bit. So that's... As long as you know his personality and you know how to manage that, that shouldn't be a problem. And honestly, for you know a guy playing professional sports, it's surprising, I think, when people aren't that passionate and don't get mad about situations. And so I don't think that's a knock to his personality at all. I don't think that it's much of a negative. It's just something that we know about him, and so I'm not, I'm not worried about that.
0: If you could um, project uh, best case scenario, uh, but also be realistic on games played for Mike Conley this season, would it be 60, 65? What would that number, what would be a successful amount of game realistic games played for Mike Conley this upcoming season?
1: Well, I mean, the the season was 72 games and he missed the second night of back-to-backs and almost all of them. I don't have it in front of me exactly the nights that he played last season, but I I wouldn't be shocked if it was less than 60 and honestly I think that it would be a success if he played you know 55 games. And I know that that would be missing a lot of games in the season, but if he played 55 games and he was effective and maybe that means sitting out the second night of back to backs or the if they play you know two and three nights then maybe not playing one of those games or depending on the length of a road trip maybe using one game on a long road trip to just rest and recuperate I don't think that would be cause for concern at all. And I think that the Jazz really do need to be as cautious as possible. And so, I mean, if he ended up playing 60 games, I think that that would be an incredible success, especially if he were able to play 60 and also go into the postseason completely healthy.
2: You know, when load management first came out, I loathed it. I didn't like it. I thought uh, the paying customers should be able to see these players play. But if your goal is to win in the playoffs – and we saw a year ago how the Jazz did so well during the regular season, but uh, were dinged up in the in the playoffs a little bit. It it does it work, Sarah? Does load management work? And have there been any studies on that? Because the most famous guy with that is Kawhi Leonard, and he got hurt during the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I mean, but we also saw you know Kawhi Leonard uh, completely in charge of his own load management in Toronto, and he won a championship too but to your point there's a ton of science behind this like there's there are, these guys are tracked so much and the research that is consistently happening about you know how many days of rest a guy gets in between games or how much sleep a guy gets or an athlete in general before they play a game and that the relationship that those that data has to soft tissue injuries or the you know the ability to recover more quickly from injuries, all of that is being researched and used constantly in the NBA. I mean, these guys have uh, so much tracking and data that's being gathered on them consistently that it's almost kind of scary. But I mean, they the NBA would not like lessen their product, like you said, like taking the stars out of games that people want to watch, they wouldn't be doing that if it wasn't going to benefit them in the long run. Because the bottom line is that the NBA is a business, and the bottom line really matters to them. And so they wouldn't be allowing their teams to do this if there wasn't science and data to back it up. And it absolutely does.
2: So, Sarah, the wizard down in Vegas, as Jake likes to call him, have pronounced uh, the over-unders on total victories this coming season. And the Jazz were tied for fourth. The Nets at 55.5, the Bucks at 54.5, the Lakers at 52.5, and the Jazz tied with the Suns and the Sixers at 51 and a half games. I know I don't suggest that you bet on in any way, shape, or form. The entertainment purposes always. <laughs> yes, yes. But do you think the Jazz <laughs> will win Would you go over or under? That's the
1: question. If I was a betting woman, (laughs) I'd probably take the over. I mean, they won 52 games in a 72-game season with just about the same roster, and they're going into it healthy, and they're going into it, I think, upgraded. But – you know it also brings into question like what what are the jazz searching for right now because they won the regular season last year and so they've kind of marked that and like you know they've got that notch on their belt now and that's not exactly what they're interested in I don't think that's what the fans are interested in either you know winning the regular season was good once and now they they want to do more in the postseason a second round exit just isn't gonna cut it again you know and so I think that if you if they wanted to maybe rest guys more, maybe, you know, try out different lineups, if they were going to experiment more, which I don't completely expect from this team, from Quinn Snyder and sacrifice some of those regular season wins so that they're more prepared for the postseason. I think that's really smart and that's an absolute possibility, but I mean, if we're looking at the success that the team had last year, I'd take the over there.
0: Sir, appreciate it as always uh, great conversation. And, uh, I know you may not be, but I think we're all looking forward to September and getting this thing going again. Get some sleep. Uh, I'm always looking forward to it. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Thanks, Sarah. Sarah Sarah Todd, uh, beat writer for the Utah Jazz for the uh, Deseret News right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Go over or under? Oh, over.
2: Yeah, Yeah, 51 and a half.
0: Yeah. Remember, we're back to an 82-game schedule next year.
2: Yeah. I wonder why. I mean, I would think higher for the Nets, Bucks, Lakers, and Jazz. And the Suns and the Sixers probably, too. Those numbers seem low to me. Uh, Is that just because of the possibility for injury? And and then also
0: know that these lines are set to make money. Yeah. So they're not necessarily a prediction in terms of uh, what people think are going to happen. It's what's going to influence enough people to throw their money down. Like they're hoping that a lot of people are going to drive down to watch BYU play Arizona and then throw a few nickels down on the Jazz on the over. Mm -hmm. And then that number will, you know, adjust accordingly. But, all right, so let's look at this. Your number one seed last year was the Jazz. Phoenix, the two. Denver, the three. The Clippers, the four. So, Clippers will probably be without Kawhi Leonard for a good chunk of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Murray's injury happened in, I think, early April. So, Denver's going to be without him for a while. They still have the MVP. Phoenix just re-signed Chris Paul, so they're going to be a problem. Um, Dallas should be better. Portland Portland just seems to do what Portland normally does, hang in there in that 4-7 <laughs> to seven range in the playoffs. Um, you know, the Lakers, like, they're going to be back, and they'll do what the Lakers normally do. So... Um, what was so who was number one? The, the Nets? Nets fifty five and a half.
2: Nets at fifty five, then the Lakers the at The Bucks at fifty four and a half and the Lakers at fifty two and a half. That's going over. I bet you all those folks down in LA are gonna Lakers bet The Lakers at fifty two? Yeah. <laughs> Duly noted. Scotty's taking notes over here.
0: Entertainment purposes. Yes, of only. Of course. I can make a phone call during the break. I'll get back to you.
2: Comes another email from Adam
0: Silver. I got to call my buddy Saul (laughs) over on State Street. (laughs) (laughs) How's Saul doing? Uh, He's minus a kneecap, but other than that, he's doing all right.
2: (laughs) get it blown off.
0: (laughs) Or, you know, Nancy Kerrigan, you know, one of the two. Oh, nice. No, I'm joking. Um, But yeah, those are interesting numbers for sure. How about the Bucks at, what was it, 54 54 and a half? half.
2: Mm hmm.
0: Mm hmm. All those numbers sound low. I wouldn't to touch me. the Nets or the Bucs. The Lakers and the Jazz are intriguing numbers for sure.
2: Then that's because but it's essentially a higher number, but or assen- because you
0: think they are prone to injury. Or? Uh yeah, it's just an unknown. But but essentially, what you know, you look at that as the Jazz at fourth. But essentially, they're saying the Jazz are the second best
2: team in the West. Well, yeah. If yeah. you want to look at it that way, well, tied with the Suns.
0: Oh, the Suns have the same number. Yeah. Okay.
2: You think the Suns repeat the same magic they had last year? I think I think they're positioned to do so. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think S- they. I think they're pretty darn good, Scotty, and that that's going to lead to some pretty hotly contested battles yeah. with the Jazz, I think.